Welcome to Scope of Practice, a podcast that opens the window for an inside look at different practice groups and the lives of attorneys in those groups here at Ropes & Gray. I'm Yoni Levy, a partner in our asset management group based in Boston. On this episode, I'm joined by Arnav Prasad, a sixth-year associate in our private capital transaction group based in New York, and by Sharon Jacquez, a second-year associate in our healthcare group based in Boston. Hi, Arnav. Hi, Sharon. How are you? Doing well, Yoni. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Great to be on. Great to have you. Great to have you. I'd like to open with a bit of background about yourselves. Can you talk about your practice group at Ropes and Gray and a little bit about how you uh, landed in that practice and decided that that was an area you were interested in? Uh, why don't we start alphabetically with Arnav? Sure, happy to. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm a sixth year in the private capital transactions group here at Ropes and Gray. I do mostly leverage finance transactions and what that really means is that we help our clients who are looking to obtain loans to buy companies um, sort of raise those funds and, and go out to the market and get people who will give them those loans. Prior to this, I was actually a lawyer in India. I did an LLM uh, here um, you know, six years ago. And uh, during the course of my stint at Ropes & Gray, I also had the opportunity to work in uh, the Ropes & Gray London office for a year um, and practice sort of New York law out of that. So it was great to see Ropes & Gray across the world, across our global offices. I actually landed in healthcare. I was really interested in healthcare started in um, undergrad. So I went to Northeastern University and studied health sciences. Um, but I knew I didn't want to be a clinician. That wasn't really necessarily the path that I wanted to take. Um, so when I was looking into law school, I really wanted to go to a school that had a strong health uh, law program, you know, had opportunities within the health law sphere. Um, which is why I decided to go to to BU, and at BU I I really took advantage of the the breadth of the health law program there, and you know tried to take a lot of different courses within health law, and and different experiential and um, internship opportunities, which um, you know taught me a little bit of what it's like to to practice health law in a corporate setting. So you know I, I knew I wanted to do healthcare, but I didn't necessarily know what that looked like um, at a big firm until, you know, I spoke to different lawyers at, at Ropes during the OCI process. I kind of learned about, you know, what does a healthcare lawyer do um, for different clients, you know, at, at a large firm and, and now I'm here and, and doing that work. So it's all very interesting and I'm, I wouldn't want to practice on healthcare anywhere else. What does a healthcare lawyer do now that you teed up that question <laughs> for us? So it really depends. Um, which is the most classically <laughs> lawyer answer ever. But um, especially at Ropes, uh, our group, you know, the work is kind of faceted into three buckets, I guess. Um, there's the transactional bucket, which is, you know, the the breadth of our work, I would say. Uh, most of our work is uh, transactional. And that can um, range from doing diligence for transactions, you know, large private equity transactions or other strategic investments, um, or sometimes we'll actually act as the quarterback on these deals. If it's between two healthcare entities or two you know, healthcare-related companies, um, we also do a lot of hospital transactions or transactions between academic medical centers. And these are a little bit rarer just because these kinds of transactions don't happen very often. So that's kind of one subset of the work. And then, you know, regulatory advising happens across all of the different types of work that we do. But, you know, there's more traditional regulatory advising where we would advise 
a variety of healthcare clients, physicians, groups, hospitals, things like that, on a variety of, of regulatory um, and healthcare issues, be it um, if they want to set up any sort of value-based care arrangement or um, any sort of, of reimbursement issues that a, um, a, a client might be facing. Um, that's another type of work. And then there's the smaller bucket, which is um, investigation, um, in which we'll work um, across with our litigation colleagues on uh, government investigations into um, different healthcare entities. So it's definitely a very um, interesting group where you get to work on a lot of different kinds of matters. And I like that as junior associate, you guys really try your hand at a lot of different kinds of things. You don't become an expert on just one kind of um, transaction or one kind of issue. You you know really get to see healthcare play out in a lot of different environments. Great. And you mentioned the variety that juniors get to see. So being that you're relatively junior in your career, have you had a chance to work on all of those different types of projects or primarily focused on one or the other? And and if you have had a variety of projects, is there one category of project that particularly interests you or speaks to you? I would say in the past, you know, year um, that I've been at that I've been at ropes have done mostly on private equity transactions and a couple of hospital transactions. I have gotten the opportunity to work on an investigation more recently, which has been a new challenge, I think, just because I've gotten very used to kind of the deal flow and kind of how a team might work together on, on a transaction. I haven't necessarily um, had the opportunity to work on that kind of investigation. So I'm happy to be getting that opportunity um, relatively, you know, early on in my career. So I would say I have really enjoyed uh, the transactional work a lot more than I thought I would initially, just because I didn't have a super businessy background. I didn't think I would be, you know, the kind of person that would really enjoy transactional work as much as I do. But I have enjoyed really being able to work um, on a team, you know, to get to a, a goal. We all want the deals closed. So that's been really interesting. And um, working on a deal, especially the junior, you are the closest to the primary documents. You are looking in the data room and you are the like point person for a lot of the the issues. You'll be the first person to see them at least. And I like having that responsibility and being able to kind of work with more senior associates on, you know, I've spotted this might be an issue. Is it an issue and how can we address it? Um, so I think it's just been a really interesting opportunity and just being able to get so close to, you know, the nitty gritty and, and really being relied on during a lot of the, um, the transactions. I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, you had the category of, of work that you were interested in, but even within that category, it would be hard to have said that you were interested in a specific thing until you had the opportunity to try it, which I think is useful context for law students to keep in mind that, you know, it's not like you have exactly what you want to do the second you walk in, even if you have a general sense. And Arnav, back to you for a minute with the, I guess, the same question, which is, can you talk to us more about the different types of projects that you work on within your group? What does a typical project look like and what, what interests you about them? Most of our clients at Ropes and Gray uh, tend to be private equity sponsors. Um, and what we do is we help these private e equity sponsors 
sort of go out into the market and get money to buy the companies and the assets that they're looking at. What interests me about the leverage finance practice specifically is that when a company gets a loan agreement in place, they kind of have to live with that document for the duration of its term. Um, if you think about it in terms of, you know, if you buy a house outright, you bought the house one and done, that's the, that's the relationship that's over with the seller the second that the house sale closes. With a credit financing, typically, um, the financing document then defines the confines within which that company must operate um, and what the financial metrics need to be for that loan to continue to be serviceable. And so, Effectively, you have this long-lasting relationship with the company and the lenders that you continue through the course of um, you know, the life of that facility. And, and, and that makes this a very engaging practice area in terms of the fact that um, companies will come to you and say, look, we're looking to do you know, this kind of transaction. Are we allowed to do it? And, and now you have to find solutions within this credit agreement um, that let the company operate the way it wants to, or let them gets them the, the the solution that they're looking for. I like puzzle solving personally, um, and it sort of gives you a puzzle every time to solve because you have the this one document and you have to operate within the confines of that. For me, that's that's a particularly engaging thing about uh, leverage finance. Um, and I I worked in M and A and capital markets before, and. I, I enjoyed that I get to build these relationships with these companies, get to know the CFO, get to know the industry. You really have to understand the business. And given the, you know, the volume and and the breadth of 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 industries we operate in, you learn a lot about different businesses, different industries, how they work, what's important to them, what their pain points are, um, you know, what liquidity concerns they'll have in the future. And that makes this really engaging um as as both a junior, a mid-level, and a senior attorney. Interesting. That was uh, a fascinating response. I, I think I said before on this podcast that part of what I like about my practice group in asset management is the ongoing relationship nature of the transactions relative to, like you said, to an M&A transaction where it's more, here's my money, here's the asset, goodbye, see you later. When you invest in a fund, it's an ongoing 10, 15 year relationship while the fund is investing and then harvesting and then distributing. So uh, people tend to approach the negotiation slightly differently in a way that I uh, really enjoy. So it's interesting that you have that on, on in your practice as well. Um, are we typically on the lender side, it seems like? Is that true generally at Ropes? Or do we do any portfolio company uh, work in terms of being on the other side of the leverage equation? So we're typically on the borrower side. Um, we typically represent um, the the portfolio company, which is you know the asset that the private equity sponsor owns, um, and we we help the private equity fund then go and find the lenders and you know who who could service that debt. So we're typically representing the borrower, um, and it's also just you know it's it's very interesting to see how market dynamics change the equation in terms of who calls the shots and who has leverage. And so, you know, when markets are good and, and lenders want to participate in a number of deals, um, borrowers really start calling the shots and they can move market terms. They can sort of, you know, push push specific things in the credit agreement that, that, bar, that, that make the credit agreement more borrower friendly. But when the market dynamic shifts, um, you know, lenders now have leverage and, and can sort of clamp down on, on some of the leeway they've given to borrowers over the last few years. Yeah, interesting. And then, and how big is the space in terms of practitioners? Do you find that you see the same people over and over again as you work through these projects, or is it uh, pretty varied? 
the space is pretty big um, and it is pretty vast. And, and, and depending on, you know, the size of the deal you're going to, you'll typically see the sort of similar faces on, on the other side. Um, Ropes has uh, the advantage of being a market leader in the space. And that typically means that, you know, we get, we get the pick of both um, lenders and lenders councils. And so we do see the same faces, but um, ultimately like most other jobs, this is a relationship game. And you realize that you are building relationships with opposing counsel on the other side, just as much as you are building relationships with your own clients. So, you know, when you see the same faces over and over again, they tend to become easier to work with as, uh, as the deals go on, because, you know, everyone has the same objective and that's getting the deal done and trying to get some sleep. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I, cause I've said before in asset management space, that it is a lot of the same players over and over again, which is great because you end up building rapport with people and it helps to move projects along. So that's great. H- how do you see the different roles of associates at different seniority levels and the partners in your group? W- what's the relationship like on a project? How much uh, oversight is there? You know, What types of roles might a associate of different seniority levels be playing in a project? You know, I, I think our uh, our deal teams tend to be leanly staffed. Um, you know, I don't think it's it's because of a lack of resources. I think we kind of prefer it that way. Um, that way, um, juniors get a lot of, um, of of sort of responsibility very early on in in their careers, um, and I think that makes them more invested in the final outcome. They that makes them more invested in 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 the outcome of the deal. Um, they're not just you know they're not just coordinating and running point on. On sort of ancillaries, but they're really getting into the nitty gritty of it. It also means that our mids, and as they become more senior, our seniors are, are therefore given more opportunities to look at sort of big picture stuff and really be able to zoom out and know that a junior who has, you know, has a couple of years under the belt of doing this already has um, the experience to, to to push the ball forward on and keep the documents moving along. That means because the seniors are, are, are really, you know, being able to zoom out and, and and get the deal done, our partners then become a resource where they're available for any kind of questions you have, but they let the team sort of run themselves. And which is kind of great because it, it just, it means that the deal is always moving along, but whenever there's a roadblock, whenever there's a hiccup, the partner's always around, always available, isn't stuck in the weeds in some other deal that we can't approach them and help ask them to get us out of whatever bind we're in on that specific deal. Um, and, and that way we're allowed to get, we're able to get a lot more volume work done as well. Um, so I think it, it, it helps that our, our deals are leanly staffed and it gives a lot of exposure to our junior associates. Um, and, and by the time they're mid-levels, we hear this constantly when, when, you know, when, when we have people who've lateraled out is that at other places to go to, um, you know, their other firms are marveling at, at, at how much responsibility they had. Um, and it's because we give them that responsibility pretty early on. I think that's a big part of the ropes culture overall is to, um, really try to push you to what your maximum potential is and sort of be on the outskirts of your comfort zone and not leave you hanging to dry, but sort of trying to give you as much responsibility as the person supervising you thinks you can handle because it's good for your growth. And like you said, it's good for productivity. It's good for, it's really a win-win all around. Sharon, maybe you could give us your perspective of what it's like um, from a junior, how you see the varying roles and what sort of interactions you've had with other uh, associates and partners in your group. 
Sure. So our teams, um, again, depending on the size of the deal, it would usually depend on how kind of big or how uh, leanly staffed our teams tend to be. But it does usually end up being at least, you know, one junior, a mid-level, and then a partner. Um, on some of the larger transactions, it might be a senior associate might also be um, thrown in or there might be a couple of juniors. Um, but I will say I always feel like I am given a lot of responsibility and a lot of ownership over the items that you know I'm responsible for. And I feel like all of the attorneys that I've had the opportunity to work with have really made it a point to make sure I understand you know, what role we're playing in the bigger transa- transaction, especially as part of a specialist group. Um, sometimes our piece might seem very ancillary to everything else, but it, you know, really plays a big role. Um, and it's helpful to see the role that um, our work, you know, plays in the larger transaction. Um, and then I also, you know, have had more senior associates really make it an, um, a point to to show the role that our, you know, the juniors work is playing in the greater deal. And I think that's really helpful. Um, and having that mid-level to, you know, work more closely with you, I think has been really helpful for me at least. And it tends to be, I think the way that our group operates, it's, it's very much, you know, a junior and a mid-level. And then on those smaller deals, I might even be just be working me and then a partner, um, and the partner will be more, um, involved. It really just, you know, depends on the client might need or, um, the transaction might need. That's great. Thanks, Sharon. You mentioned a bit about the relationship you have with your various partners in your group. Can you talk a little bit more about mentorship in your group and at the firm generally, both formal and informal, and you know how that's how that experience has gone for you? Sure. I found a lot of mentorship at Ropes, and I think that's something that I really value so much, especially as an attorney that joined during um, COVID and joined the firm remotely, you know, didn't really have um, a full traditional summer experience. I think those mentorship opportunities have really helped me um, learn how, you know, to, to be a ropes and gray attorney. Um, And some of the more formal mentorship opportunities have been through the partner mentorship program through the ropes multicultural forum, which has been a great opportunity for me. Um, I, personally have been able to learn so much from my partner mentor, who um, is the most senior uh, partner in my group and who I would have had the opportunity to really get to know the way that I have um, if it weren't for this uh, mentorship program. And then there are more informal mentorship um, that I found at Ropes, um, especially within the year right above um, me and my group. So it's all been really great to have them really teach us, you know, these are the expectations. This is, you know, if you get this email, respond X, Y, Z way. Just the little things that you don't, you don't learn through PowerPoint presentations. It's really through those like relationships that you make um, with people in, in your practice group and, and who you're working with. So I think mentorship is just in a thread at Rope and Gray and everyone wants to be helpful. And it's just within the culture to be really helpful and to be, you know, helping your colleagues. And I've really felt that, especially um, starting out, you know, not really knowing anyone really well. And, you know, a year in, I feel like I've been able to really find my place within my practice group and within the firm. So, you know, I think it's just been really helpful. 
that's great that you were able to get that informal uh, mentorship in particular, especially around COVID time. Those informal conversations can really end up being the most enlightening, even though, you know, we have lots of formal mentor roles and they're all great. Um, really some of the informal relationships, especially like you said, with people who are close to you in seniority, but just above you um, can really, really be helpful. Uh, Arnav, how about you? What's your experience been like? Yeah, no, and I, I agree with Karen uh, entirely on that. Um, I think the informal mentorship, you know, sort of for me personally has has been invaluable more so than the formal mentorship programs we have. And um, I, th I think it's because, you know, when partners work with you and, and they get to know you, they already have a vested interest in developing you as an attorney. And, and the more you develop as an attorney, the less they have to, you know, oversee your uh, specific work product. Um, and, and the informal mentorship happens, you know, while you're working and within, uh, you know, after you hang up a conference call and you have to discuss what was said and what wasn't said and who was, you know, behaving kind of, you know, annoyingly on that call. So in our group, we have this thing, um, which, you know, I think goes to the culture of the group, which is uh, there, we have Scotch Wednesdays uh, in the office uh, in, in the New York uh, finance group. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of great. Um, we, you know, every, everyone sort of gets together within the group, uh, usually either in a conference room or in a partner's office. Um, it used to be Scotch only. And after uh, several rounds of protest amongst non-Scotch drinkers, including myself, uh, we now have you know, vodka and 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 wine and and seltzer and and sort of just a chance to get to know everybody and um and I I, I think uh, before COVID it was great because we would just sort of unwind and everybody would talk about what they were kind of working on and and the annoying things that that they were dealing with and and how to solve some of the problems they were facing. But after COVID, it's been even better because a lot of people joined during um, the last couple of years and and you know we've been working with them, but we haven't gotten to meet face to face and and so it's great. Um, and uh, our private capital transactions group is comprised of the finance practice, the private equity practice, and the capital solutions practice. So private equity, seeing that we have Scotch Wednesdays, decided to do tequila Thursdays. So everybody has their own little, they have their own little space to interact and bond. And uh, and the focus is just really getting together, um, meeting in person. And, uh, and I think the mentorship that comes out of that process is to me, um, you know, the culture that really solidifies ropes um in in terms of getting people together getting people to like each other um and 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 really bond over shared experience that's awesome how many uh leveraged finance projects do i have to do to come to scotch wednesdays you have a permanent invite yoni amazing perfect thank you that was the right answer perfect that's awesome and i know you said you mentioned that you've practiced elsewhere before um so without asking you to speak pejoratively of, of other firms, can you compare what what's the culture like here relative to other places? I'm always curious when I meet people who have worked in other environments. Sort of what what's the feel of ropes relative to other places? Uh, yeah, so I, I practiced in India before, and I think that's just you know culturally, uh, corporate law is practiced just very differently over there. There are a lot of similarities. It's also just very different in terms of culture. And and I also practiced at Ropes London, um, and it was interesting to see. The differences and the similarities between Ropes New York and Ropes London, where you know Ropes is still very much one firm globally, and but obviously in every country there are also just cultural idiosyncrasies. Yeah, absolutely. So Sharon, you you mentioned the Ropes Multicultural Forum uh, in when I was asking you before about mentorship. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, what the Ropes Multicultural Forum is and and your involvement in it? 
Sure. So the Rose Multicultural Forum is the forum also consisting of smaller specific identity forums, um, but it's for our ROPE attorneys who identify um, as racially or ethnically diverse. Um, and it's an opportunity for attorneys throughout the different ROPE's offices to come together and discuss different diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at the firm, discussing our own experiences at the, at the firm, um, our opportunities for professional development programs and series, um, and the different forms within the RMF kind of put together different programs throughout the year. So for example, I am also part of the Latinx Lawyers Group, and we put together the programming for Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, which was a success. We had Maria Hinganosa come and speak um, to us. And we also had a cooking class for the Latinx lawyer. So I am also serving as an RMAP circle liaison in Boston. So I uh, liaison between our circle and the greater RMF to put together different circle events and just making sure that um, everyone it's coming together and you know making sure that um, especially for our incoming associates they feel that they have support and especially our diverse associates feel that they have support and someone they can come and speak to about their experiences or if they have any questions or anything like that and i found a lot of great mentorship there a lot of great opportunities there and you know talking about my experiences with different attorneys at the firm who have gone through it before um, and who have been a diverse associate in these spaces and I think been really helpful. We we had a great conversation recently with Christina Ravello also on the podcast that. and she, yeah, she's great. <laughs> um, and she also talked a lot about um, RMF and, and the Latinx sort of subgroups and, and her involvement in that. So that was great. Um, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So Sharon uh, and Arnav, I understand you're both members of the LGBTQ plus forum. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what your experience has been like being part of that forum, and uh, you know what it's meant to you, and and how it's contributed to uh, your time at Ropes and Gray. I'll open the floor to either of you first. I've been uh, I've been part of the LGBTQ plus forum since I joined the firm. Um, I've actually gotten to see it sort of evolve over the years. Um, but I think really what's um, the best part about the LGBTQ plus forum is is um you know aside from the fact that that you're obviously meeting people who they're like-minded and, and in terms of trying to focus on um, on lgbtq plus specific issues um pro bono work that we do at the firm for lgbtq plus individuals um uh, along with that you also sort of get to meet people in other practice areas uh both within your office and outside of it um, and, and to be honest, uh, you know, we don't get that many opportunities to interact with people who are in completely different practice areas. So there are litigation associates who are not my class here, who I don't, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily cross paths with. Um, but, you know, at the LGBTQ plus forum, it's, it's a smaller sort of subset of, of people within the firm and it becomes much easier to interact. And, um, we also get some great programming and, and so, you know, one of the partners um, is is an executive producer of uh, of one of the Broadway shows this year, um, and so um, the entire forum got to go out for for this Broadway show that had LGBTQ plus themes in it, um, and it was it was really extraordinary to to sort of be part of that to, to know that um, both you know our, our our partnership is also involved cares about these topics cares about the value of the diversity that it brings. 
Um, we get to discuss the pro bono opportunities that are available within the firm at LGBTQ plus um, forum events. Um, and, uh, and, you know, what excites all of us. And, and, and that I think is, is really like what makes the LGBTQ plus forum so great is, is meeting people internally, but also discussing all of these topics that we all care about. I completely agree. I think, you know, having that group of really supportive, um, like-minded people is so, so beneficial, you know, to see the firm really support its LGBTQ plus, um, attorneys is, um, great and i think for me in particular i you know coming into the firm was a little nervous i i, I knew it was going to be okay and you know one was going to be um not understanding or bigoted or anything like that just because i knew going into the firm the kind of place that ropes was entering a new space um and i think being able to to join a place where um you know my identity is celebrated and i'm encouraged to be myself and you have people, you know, throughout ropes are in the forum, are participating in the forum, are, you know, active members in the forum. It's just so great to see that who I am can't, you know, doesn't stop me from, you know, being a valuable part of, of the firm. Um, and that will be celebrated and I can, you know, do, do great things here. And you get to learn so much from people who are in different practice groups and also at different levels of seniority who Again, I wouldn't just like sit down and casually chat with um, all the time. I think having the opportunity is really great. Um, and you get to learn so much from people who have, again, been in this space for much longer than I have um, and learning how to, to tackle some issues that are still really prevalent now um, from, you know, from people who've been through it before has been awesome. I just wanted to add to what Sharon just said, um, because, you know, I, I think I echo that entirely. but. It's also just great seeing um, sort of people before you who've, who've sort of led the path and you see partners who are both part of RMF and the LGBTQ plus forum. And, and you get to see these intersectional people who've made it all the way to the top. And, you know, seeing the visibility is, is very important, um, but also that they're not necessarily saying this is the only way to get ahead in this profession. They're more than happy to talk to you about other opportunities, um, opportunities even outside of Ropes and Gray, right? Um, and I think what's great is that you're getting encouraged by them to both stay within the firm, grow within the firm, become partner within the firm, but also being told that that's not the only way to succeed um, as at being an attorney. And also, you know, they will always refer, reaffirm your gender expression, the way you would like to express yourself. Um, Anecdotally, I got a tiny ear piercing um, about a year and a half ago, and I was very concerned about how that would be perceived within the firm. Um, and so I used to wear a little plastic thing to like hide it so that it just looked like my ear. Um, and one of the partners was like, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, because I, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the, 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 the person who's different. And he was like, but if this is what you like, you know, wear it. The firm has absolutely no problem with it. Nobody's going to hold you back for it. Nobody has any objections to it. But if that's how you want to express yourself, you know, that's how we want to celebrate you. And I think that's, um, that's an incredibly important thing. Um, and it made me really value the diversity contribution of Robson Gray. And I definitely appreciate the opportunity to cross paths with people who you don't otherwise meet at the firm. I mean, the firm is a very interconnected place, but inevitably there are people who are very different class years or and very different practice groups and in a different office. And so through the combination of all those things, you don't really have the opportunities to connect with them. 
And, you know, I had to concoct like a whole podcast setting just so that I could hang out with the two of you. Um, and so I totally, uh, you know, understand and can relate to that. Um, can you tell us more about the Broadway show? Just because that sounds super interesting. Um, who who made the Broadway show? What was the Broadway show? How was how was the Broadway show? Well, I, it was amazing. For for every summer, Ropes will organize one Broadway show for all of the summers, at least. Um, and then I think different um, different practice groups can you know do different things. So John Sorkin, um, who was a partner in PCT, um, is an executive producer of a show called Take Me Out. Um, which was a, a fairly uh, controversial uh, show for uh, many reasons, but uh, chief amongst them was the male nudity in the show. Um, and uh, and so it, it got pretty famous and um, it has Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Um, it has a bunch of really big names um, and it was a great show. And, uh, and I think we all got to meet, but also after the show got over, we got drinks and we all got to sort of discuss the show and, what made it great what you know what 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 we thought of it um and it's it's a good opportunity to have you know a basis for interaction with somebody maybe who you haven't crossed paths with who may not have a lot um to to talk about um but it was also just great to be in a work setting talking about something completely unrelated to work um and everybody having very strong opinions on and i understand that you've both taken on buddy roles within the forum arnov as a volunteer buddy to the 2021 incoming associates and Sharon as a summer buddy through the forum. Can you share a bit more information about what that's like and what that experience was like? Sure, I can go first. Um, I uh, was a buddy this summer um, and my buddy actually I went to law school with. So it was really great to get to kind of shepherd this um, person throughout their summer, just getting to, to teach her the ropes, I guess, when she had questions or just talk to her about her experiences. And really get to know her on a different level than just oh i you know was a 3l when you were a 1l um getting to actually know like what are you interested in you know how has your identity played in a role in you know your summer how are you feeling how are people being nice to you things like that um and it was really nice to, to get to form that um relationship with with my summer buddy um especially because she's joining the firm next year so it'll be great to get to see her her journey at the firm um, when she starts next year. I was a buddy to an incoming associate uh, for the 2021 season. I'm also a buddy for uh, one of the incoming associates um, who's just started in the 2022 year. Um, and I think what's what's just um, what's kind of fun about this is um, I think first year sort of walk into the firm sort of with deer in the headlights, like just uh, just everything is a little bit like what is going on and. Um, you know, and and they'll sit in on on calls, and people throw like acronyms around, and I, I think that for the first couple of months, you're just uh, you're a little bit of what have I gotten myself into um, until sort of it all starts making sense, and you realize that a lot of the acronyms are just uh, are, are are very very basic things. But what's cool about being a buddy is just sort of walking them through that, taking them for coffee, calming them down, telling them everyone's been through this. Um, I think there's a little bit of like competitiveness when they all sort of start, even though it's like a cohesive unit, but everyone finds their place. But I think it's just having someone they can confide in and talk to and someone who can tell them, you know, don't worry about it. Like the firm's got your back. Um, there is a huge safety net for you. Um, you don't need to be the one outperforming everything. And I, I think having that resource is just incredibly valuable. The buddy program has just been a great way to sort of meet people, get to know the new first years and have the first years have someone they can confide in. And have you stayed connected with your now second year buddy 
from last year? I have. We're actually getting coffee at 4 p.m. today. That was conveniently timed. Right. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd also like to say, nota bene, I usually use Latin when I want to feel important, not acronyms. But anyway, that was all great. Uh, maybe you could each tell me what made you choose Ropes and Gray. I'm sure you each had um, a tremendous number of options before you when you were looking for jobs um, and you chose Ropes. Why Ropes? So I chose Ropes um, primarily for the people um, and for the opportunities within the practice group that I was interested in. So I knew I wanted to do healthcare. Um, Ropes has an amazing healthcare group um, and an amazing healthcare practice. Everyone that I met during my callback was, I think, almost everyone's in the healthcare group except for a couple of people. But everyone that I met was just so wonderful. And I left my callback really hoping um, that I would get an offer because I just really felt that I you know, made a connection with a lot of really great people. So once once I did get an offer, it kind of felt like a no-brainer for me just because I felt I just felt the it was the place that I, you know, I wanted to be. That's been a pretty consistent theme of, of you know, I've asked these qu- this question at the end of every interview. And I think pretty consistently, the answer has been the people. Um, it, it's why I've stuck around at the firm for so long and also part of why I chose the firm in the first place. Um, Arnav, how about you after that after that brilliant answer? I mean, I, th- I think you're going to hear the same no matter who you ask. Um, it, it is the people. Uh, ropes, um, you know, reputationally and, and both in my lived experience has a no... Uh, nasty guy policy i would use another word but this is a family-friendly podcast so uh the, you know i it has it has a a very strict uh no nasty guy policy and that means you know invariably whoever you're working with is very much under understands that we're all in the trenches together and we're all sort of getting through the days together um we all have the same objectives at the end of the day and so i think that that means um it makes us it makes us job just a little bit easier to do um than anywhere else and i think that is a huge deal. For me, one of the other big, big factors was Ropes' pro bono program. Um, the fact that Robo- Ropes has unlimited pro bono hours um, that are available as credit to uh, associates. Um, and I, for me, I, that was particularly important because there were specific sort of types of pro bono things that I wanted to work on. Um, being an immigrant um, from a developing country there were there and being LGBTQ plus from that country, it was just important that I got to be able to work on those cases. And I've gotten a lot of opportunities to do that. Um, and I think that, to me, um, you know, also makes Rope sort of stand out um, amongst the vast sort of milieu of options that are available to every uh, every incoming uh, law associate. That's awesome. What what kind of pro bono work have you been involved in? Um, I mean, there's there's been a bunch, um, but uh, the the I think the one that is was was sort of closest to me was um, we partner with an organization called Out Leadership. Um, that uh, effectively works with American businesses that have operations in other countries um, and and provides them with a summary of both the laws, but more importantly, sometimes the culture around uh, LGBTQ plus rights um, in every single country that they operate in. Um, and then they tell those CEOs that here's ways that you can use your businesses to enact change in that country, whether it's cultural or whether it's um, you know, more of, of at the policy level, um, but just things like giving, you know, in your in your subsidiary in whatever country, you know, giving equal access to to different kinds of healthcare rights. Um, I, I think that makes um, that makes a a, a big difference. Uh, just 
from an impactful perspective, having worked in those jurisdictions. Um, and I got to write the report on India and, um, and how, you know, now there's where we're, we're now sort of trying to vie for the legalization of same-sex marriages in India. And, you know, Ropes has a bunch of pro bono partners that are helping with that cause. Um, so those things are pretty important to me personally. Oh, that's great that you were able to find projects that really um, speak to you personally. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about what it is that you do in your spare time? Um, why don't we start with Sharon? What, what is it that you do in your free time? I lived um, in South Florida with my parents for a year. Um, for my 3L year, I took up tennis just because it was nice all the time. And I was not used to that being from New Jersey originally. Um, so it was really um, a very fun game to learn, especially to do um, in a group. And me and my partner actually learned. We did, took to tennis classes together. Um, and it was really fun. It was really, really very hard. <laughs> and I'm not very good. But it was um, fun to learn something new and start uh, watching tennis more regularly was actually um, really cool. And I think it's brought me um, a lot closer to her family um, and also to my, like, just something new to, to be, um, to, to learn about. So it's been great. Uh, Arnav, how about you? So I've always wanted a dog. And uh, right in the beginning of COVID, when they told us in March 2020 that we have two weeks, um, I was like, well, this is my window of opportunity. I have two weeks at home, so I'm going to do this. And so so I got a dog. Um, and uh, uh, two and a half years later, every time I go back to the office, he's just like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I don't understand, um, which I think is is happening to a lot of COVID dogs right now who are all sort of going through an existential crisis. Um, so, you know, I feel for them. Uh, but it's honestly the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, he forces me to sort of get up and, uh, you know, drop what I'm doing and go for that 15 minute walk when it's sometimes exactly what I need to sort of just clear my head and get out of like the headspace for a little while. And, you know, nothing is not so important that it can't wait for, uh, for him to do his business for 15 minutes. So, uh, so it's, it's, just, it's been, it's been the best thing. He's, he's made me more active. He's made me more social. Um, he kept me sane for the last two and a half years. So, uh, so yeah, he's, he's, he's been the best, um, highly, highly recommend getting a dog. That's awesome. Thank you, Arnav and Sharon. It's really been a great pleasure listening to you. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you found this to be a helpful, insightful episode. If there's a specific practice area or area you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to me directly. I'd love to hear from you. If you're a law student or recent graduate who'd like to learn more, please visit our website at www.ropesgrayrecruiting.com or check us out on Instagram at ropesgray. You can subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google Play, and Spotify. Please look out for future episodes and share with your friends. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode.